Well, good morning, Lord's Love, uh, to those joining us here and also to those uh, online. Uh, a little bit of a nippy uh, Sunday morning, but I hope you're enjoying the crisp, crisp air. I, I know that uh, I definitely uh, am. Uh, just a quick announcement. Uh, next week, uh, we do have a guest speaker. Um, it, um, it's a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Yang from Tapestry Church, is coming to preach. He's from Tap Nights, so he'll be coming to bring the word. And it's actually on the next section of text on uh, submission to governing authorities in the midst of our election uh, and what's going on in the States. It's a very timely uh, message that he's going to uh, preach and proclaim. So I'm excited uh, to welcome him uh, next week. Uh, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, God, for your good word, uh, for who you are, for your grace and your mercy to us that calls us into action, that calls us, God, uh, to love our brothers and sisters and to love people uh, in the world and to be, uh, to be loved, uh, God, uh, no matter where it is that we go. Uh, this morning, God, through your word, may you open our eyes to see, our hearts to comprehend, our minds to understand uh, you and uh, who you are, God. And may we just fall deeper in love uh, with you, God, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are continuing our series uh, on the literature of Romans, the power of the gospel, and we've been going at this series for quite a few times, a uh, few weeks now, and we are nearing the end, a uh, few more weeks to go, and then we're going to uh, go into our, our Advent series, into Christmas. I know we're already talking about Christmas. I think we're 51 days till Christmas, 52 days till Christmas, something uh, like that. 2020 has been quite a, a year. I want to begin this morning by telling us a, a, a story uh, in terms of how the discovery of the circulatory system uh, of our bodies is something that I take for granted. I don't think too much about. Blood is just in our veins and our arteries, and that's just something that we're used to, right? Well, the circulatory system was discovered by William Harvey in, in 1628, and he, his discovery was that blood flowed in one direction. Uh, that was his major discovery, that floating in one direction, and it was a circuit. It went through the heart and, and through the lungs and back out and, 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 and provided a, a, a air, oxygen and nutrients to the rest of the body. But what's fascinating was that for 1,400 years before that, uh, the physicians and our, and our understanding of the human body was dominated by this one thinking, this one Greek physician uh, that worked with gladiators. He, like, mended up gladiators in the battlefield, and, and he learned about the system there. And and for 1,400 years, the belief in the medical field was that the liver uh, was the pump of the, of the body, that liver was pumping blood to the rest of the body, that went through the lungs, and he didn't have the language, but he explained that it went through the lungs, and somehow it picked up the spirits of air, you know, that was his language in, in 142 AD, uh, and then it went into the flesh, and then it just disappeared. So actually, the liver had to keep generating blood, and then it would disappear into, in, into the flesh. And I find it fascinating that for 1,400 years, that was the thinking. And when this uh, uh, doctor, Dr. William Harvey, discovered that and made that claim, everyone thought he was nuts. He was like, there's no way the heart is pumping blood in a circuit around a body. Whereas today, we think about that, it's almost common sense, right? Like, that's just what we think. That's just what we know. And, and that's how we understand the body. And the body is fascinating. There's still new discoveries being made. I believe just this month, they discovered new saliva uh, um, uh, salivatory glands in the back of our mouths because uh, these doctors uh, in, in, uh, in Denmark, they had this new scanning machine that discovered these new glands in the back. And for the longest time, they thought it was just four glands uh, right here. And they discovered that in the back. And they're like, wow, this changes everything because we only protect these glands for those that have mouth and throat cancer, but we didn't know that was going on in the back. So we're still learning new things. Uh, but I start off with that, with that story because the body was made in a very specific way 
And we're still learning and discovering the, the beauty of our body, the beauty in which God has created us. And we're still learning that the body ha- has been made for specific purposes in a specific way. And if we don't live in accordance to this way, we don't understand how we've been formed and how we've been made. And the blood supply, as I just mentioned, it's, it, it's, a, it's meant to supply our body with oxygen and nutrients to the rest of, our, rest of our body. And without blood, the body dies. And we've been talking about the body, of how, uh, how Paul has been using that as an illustration in Romans uh, 12. And without blood, the body dies. But this morning, we learn as he goes into love, without love, the church dies. Without love being circulated within our church body, without us living that out, without, without us bringing oxygen and nutrients, with us, without us being filled, uh, the church, the church body, the spiritual body, it dies. And today's passage is a lot like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, the love passages uh, in, that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. And we see a lot of parallel here as Paul speaks on love, as he talks and preaches and teaches us what it means uh, to love. And the big idea this morning uh, is this, that genuine love uh, gives life when lived out. Help me click to the next slide, maybe always something with the clicker. <laughs> genuine love uh, gives life uh, when lived out. And, 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 I, and I, that's the challenge for us, is that love isn't just meant to be understood. It's not just meant to be read about or to, uh, for us to just know what it is, but it has to be lived out. Uh, blood circulates for reasons, to give life to the rest of the body. And I believe in the same way here, that genuine love gives life uh, when it's lived out. Love is most impactful when it's lived out and, and given out. And it makes a difference to those around us. The Canadian Blood Services, what's their slogan? I think we hear it all the time. Blood, it's what? It's in you to give. Right? Blood, it's in you to give. And I believe that this love that we receive from Christ is also in us to give. It's in us to live out, to make an impact to those around us. Love is most impactful when it's lived out. Genuine love gives life uh, when lived out. Oh, in LLC, I've seen this in action. I've been the benefactor of love, of our church body, of the spiritual body that we have here, and your messages, and, and the ways that you encourage me, and the ways that we do ministry, and the ways that we live life. Um, let us continue on in that. Like, we are called to love. We're called to make a difference. And, and this morning, in this passage, even though we're doing well, and we're continuing to love, it's often important for us to pause and do a heart check. Uh, to check our blood pressure, to check our heart, uh, to check our bodies, to see how we're doing. Because when we're too busy to love, I strongly believe this, when we're too busy to love, we're, we're busy doing the wrong things. That all of the Old Testament laws and what Paul's been teaching us and what we've been reading in Romans 1 to 11 and us understanding God's mercy and his grace and all his sacrifices for us, if we don't live that out, if we're too busy uh, uh, to, to, to understand that and too busy to love others around us, then we're really not understanding the essence of the gospel. We're not understanding, uh, uh, we're, we're busy doing uh, the wrong things. And one of the first things that Paul says here uh, in, in this chapter is, is we need to have a heart check in Romans 12, 9. Uh, and in Romans 12, 9, it says this. You have to click for me. Uh, that would be great. Uh, back in the AV booth. Uh, thank you. Uh, we need to have a, a heart check. That's the first thing that we need to do. Romans 12, 9 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 
And it, what's fascinating here is that in the Greek language, in our English, it says love must be sincere. In the ESV, it says love must be genuine. But in the Greek, it's actually just two words, and it's simply translated as love sincere. There's no verb. There's no action. There's no uh, command of what to do. It, Paul just starts off by saying love sincere or love genuine. He doesn't encourage us to love more. He, does, he just assumes that we ought to know what to do with love. That we should just know what to do with love. That love is a good thing. That love is meant to be passed on. That love is meant to be circulated to the rest of the spiritual body. That love is meant to be lived out. That in fact, love is so basic of an understanding of this church, of the spiritual body, that he doesn't command us to do anything with it. He actually just says, it just must be sincere. Uh, it's just something that we do. It's something that, that we live out uh, in the body. The question for myself as I read this is that, do I live out love that automatically? That in my life, in my everyday, that it just automatically comes, uh, 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 flows out of my, my life and the, my actions and, and in my words and in my thinking. And Paul here starts off this section by just saying we, we need to do this heart check uh, to, to understand uh, our hearts and where it is. Because it all comes down to love. Love is summed up, sums up all the Old Testament law. John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, a new command, I give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is meant to be circulated in the church like blood is circulating in our bodies. And we're meant to love one another, but to check, to make sure whether there is this genuine love in our hearts, whether we understand what this genuine love is. And he explains it uh, for us, what sincere love is, what genuine love is. Next part right there says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So simple, but so, so profound. Hate, it's actually meant to be an increasing hate of evil. Like as you understand good, there's an increasing uh, hate uh, for the evil things of the world, that we're not meant to be attracted to evil, but we're meant to cling on to good. This word for cling is the same understanding for uh, when married couples are, cle- are, are joined together. Uh, that's the fusion of it. Like cling on to it. You're fused together. They're meant to be one with what is good. Uh, so that's our understanding what genuine love is. You, you push a- aside what is evil. You're not attracted to what is evil, but instead you cling to what is good. Love uh, that, is, uh, uh, not, uh, that is genuine is meant to lead us away from evil, but meant to lead us towards what is good. In other words, love that is not genuine, uh, if it's ingenuine kind of love, it will lead someone to evil or it would avoid doing what is right. Uh, that, is not ingen- that is not genuine love. That, 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 is, that, that is ingenuine love. That is love that's not of God. But love is meant to conform to the love of God. Because God is love. The way that he loves, the way that he uh, displays love for us, uh, we're meant to follow him in that genuineness. That genuine love, the real thing, will lead us as the church, as the spiritual body, as Christians, to that good, which is the result of this transformation that we have. That genuine love leads us to good. It leads us to, to God. It leads us to understand more and more of who he is. Not take us away, but allows us to understand who this God is. In the next passage, the next section of this text, uh, he expands on this. Paul expands on what sincere love is. He, he uh, gives us specific ways of what this love ought to look like in the church, and 
I'm not a biobiology major, so maybe I'll mess this up, but I think the simplicity of this, I'm trying to explain the circulatory in the most simplistic way. The arteries, uh, they carry blood away from the, uh, from the heart. Uh, it's full of nutrients and oxygen, and then it carries it to the other parts of the body. And then the vein, it goes back to the heart and then through the lungs to get reoxygenated and get nutrients again, and then goes back to the rest of the body. And I believe here that when we come into a community, into the church, it's like these blood cells coming back to the heart, coming back to the lungs, getting reoxygenated, uh, getting nutrients again, uh, and then being sent out. And I hear Paul explains how we can get reoxygenated. Uh, that's my way of understanding, how we can get refueled. That if we're not living out this kind of love, if we're not doing this in the spiritual body, if we're not playing our part, then all of us are lacking oxygen, and that's no good for anyone. That's not good for the body. So the first thing he says here is that genuine love treats each other as a family. That's in Romans 10. That's in the next uh, slide there. Uh, be devoted is the key verb there that we see. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above, uh, above yourselves. And this word for be devoted is a, f- a family kind of understanding. It's a family affection that you have. That you have this uh, devotion, this family love for one another. That we're to treat each other as, as family. We're to understand our brothers and sisters in Christ. That those of us in the church, in the community, we're to met, treat each other as we treat our family. And granted, our families are all different. And we all have our differences in personalities and our understanding of what family looks like. But when I think of family, I, I think of there being that complexity. Uh, that there's different personalities and different giftings and, 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 and different uh, yearnings. But yet we learn to come together that no matter what it is, at the end of the day, we're still family. I think of being there for each other, no matter what, uh, that in the family, you can depend on those that are in your family, people you know will have your back, that they'll be there to support you. And again, when I think of family, I also think of the messiness of it, but we embrace the messiness, that we're part of this family together, no, no no matter what. I also just think of, as a family, just hanging out, uh, just enjoying each other's presence of time. You don't have to fill the time with anything, but you just sit and you're just with each other. You enjoy, enjoy each other's presence. I would like to call this kind of a, a unhurried presence. You know, like you're just there. I'm not thinking about where I need to go necessarily, but I'm just there enjoying each other's time, and you could just spend hours uh, with each other. And here, for my first heart check, if understanding my own heart, if whether I understand this genuine love, is that do I treat each other as, as, as my family uh, in the church? Uh, am I being reoxygenated in that way? Do, do I feel the same way about our church community here? And how good would it be as we love one another in this familial kind of love, and, and the same way we outdo each other in honor, second part of that passage, that we outdo each other in honor in the way that we love each other? Uh, how beautiful of a community would that look like? So genuine love treats each other as, as family, as we're devoted to each other in this kind of love. Second part, uh, another thing we pick up here uh, is in verse 11. Romans 12, verse 11, genuine love is passionate. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This zeal is an earnest commitment uh, to fulfilling, uh, is earnest, uh, earnest passion or desire to fulfill a commitment that no matter what it is that you've dedicated yourself to, I'm going to push full on into it. I'm going to see it uh, through Uh, There's this earnest devotion, uh, not only to myself, but this zeal is a a devotion to the interests of other people. 
Uh, that's my understanding of this passion, of the zeal that I, that I have. And this makes sense because we're not to uh, have zeal for ourselves or necessarily even for uh, uh, deserving uh, in, in general. This, this zeal goes back to verse 10. It's this passion to outdo honor for each other. It's just have this zeal, this passion to, to show love for each other, uh, to show uh, this uh, honor for, for one another. And this ought to lead us to the spiritual fervor. And the spiritual fervor is another way of understanding to be stirred by the Holy Spirit. And it's not meant to just be an experience, you know, like kind of a spiritual high of just, you know, you know just experiencing God in that way, but it's meant to lead to an action. I love how Paul ties that into it. You have your spiritual fervor, your zeal ties into your fervor, which ties into your serving. That it is, it's one consecutive circuit, one line, that you have this passion for loving the community, for loving the people, which keeps, it's your way of keeping your fervor up, your way of experiencing God, your way of experiencing the Spirit, which, which launches you into action, again, into serving, into serving God. And it's not about doing more, but it's about spiritual health, again, of the body, of your own body, of, of your own selves. And again, it keeps, you need to keep it. Like, like, like there's a protection of it. Uh, there, there's a moving forward of your spiritual fervor. It doesn't just uh, uh, burst into flames by itself, but there's intentionality behind it. I, I remember early on in my Christian faith, uh, I was talking to my brother Duncan about this early on in a Christian faith, that one of the ways for me is like, I don't know what I'm good at, and I shared about that last week. I broke 25 cups, right? Well, the reason why I was serving in all these different ministries was I was trying to discover what I'm passionate about. I was trying to discover what God has gifted me in, but what I did know, even though I didn't know what I was good at, what I did know was I needed to keep my spiritual fervor up. That this passion, uh, as I served, it, it fueled me. It wasn't so much uh, of, yes, I'm helping the church, I'm helping people around me, but also knew that without me serving, without me, being, uh, without me participating and being engaged, I, I knew that I, my, my passion was going to die out. And me being around other people, uh, I think Aaron, our chair, to share that before, uh, being around others and, uh, uh, spurs us on. It, we see the passion in others. So here, genuine love is passionate, that we know we have this love, that as we're passionate going into the church body, as we serve other people, other people catch this passion as well. And there's this exchange, and, and that's how we continue on in our spiritual journey. So early on in my Christian faith, I wanted to get involved, and maybe some of you today are thinking the same way. What are ways that you can get involved? And maybe that's a way that you can keep your spiritual fervor up, your way of loving uh, the Lord. Thirdly, genuine love helps us focus on what's important in Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I have this beautifully stitched in, uh, in, my, in, my, in our apartment uh, as a reminder of this, of a gift that I received. Genuine love helps us focus on what's important. And as a body of Christ, we're meant to help each other do that as well. Help us focus on what's important. Now, why do I say that? Well, what, what does hope affliction and prayer have in common. It seems like a random kind of three things that Paul kind of puts together, but as we dive deeper into that, as we think about that, well, hope is also not hope in ourselves. It's outside of ourselves. Affliction is not something that we do, but affliction is something that is being caused in our lives. Prayer is also not about us, but it's about God changing us. Yes, we're having a conversation with God, but it's about God changing us and speaking to us in prayer. So there's this joy in a community that comes from the hope that we have, not within ourselves, but in God. 
and who he is. And when it's tough, when we are, we're facing affliction in life like we are now in 2020 and many of those around the world, when it's tough, we're called to be patient. If we're to do anything, we're to pray, that we're to be faithful in our prayer. And all these three, these th- three things that Paul lists, it's outside of ourselves. And as a church body, as we come together, we're to be reminded of that. We remind each other of that. You had a tough week. Yeah, you know, let's come together and, and, and I'll sit beside you and I'll work through that with you in silence or maybe with words or maybe with action. But we're going to be patient together. We remind each other that our hope isn't found in the situation, but our hope is rooted in this God who gives us hope that's outside of the situation. And let us pray to this God that's above all things. And we come together and reminded each other of that. That genuine love helps us to focus on what's most important, not on the present situation in this world, but on, on, on our God, on our Father who's above all things. And this means that everything in our lives can be going sideways, but as we come together as a church body, we're going to say nothing's going to steal our joy because our hope is in something else. It's in someone else, in, in God. And even though I'm experiencing pain in my life and affliction in my life and trials in my life, it's not going to shake us because my joy is in this hope in Christ that I have. And it's going to be unshakable, undeniable. And we come together and we fuel each other. We, we oxygenate each other. Uh, the Spirit breathes afresh into his, his community when we gather together, remind each other of that. Fourthly, genuine love actively pursues. Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Our genuine love ought to uh, uh, push us into action, but also push us to actively pursue others around us. This word for share is the same word we get koinonia from, which is fellowship, that we were meant to have fellowship with the Lord's people. But not just with the Lord's people, but specifically with those that are in need. Uh, in the language, it's actually very fascinating. It's not having fellowship with God's people. It's actually our understanding of having fellowship with their need. So we're meant to have connection with their need. Uh, not just with the person and hanging out, which is great. And, and there's lots of other texts that talks about that. But here, if we're meant to live out this genuine love, actively pursuing each other, we're to have fellowship with the needs of other people. And I know many of us here in the West, uh, we're not talking about needs in, in, in terms of maybe housing or food or, or finances, though that might very be the case for you as well. And that is what we called, that's what we're called to provide as well as a church body in each other. But I, I just, as I think about this, I, I think what is it that we need here in the church body, in, in our society, in, in Vancouver, where, wherever it is that we're, we're living. Uh, what is it, what, what are the needs of the people around you? And I think about some of my friends and, and, and my family and the people that I interact with. Uh, maybe it isn't food, housing, and finances, but maybe it's, it's relationship. That's the need. Maybe it's connection. Maybe it's, it's meaning and purpose in life. And what does it mean for you to share in that? Uh, for you to have fellowship with that and, 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 and actively pursue and help someone else in those in those needs. Hospitality means to, to receive someone as a, as a guest. And we're meant to practice that kind of hospitality. And what's fascinating in this word for practice, it's, it's an active pursuit of it. It's not just wait for the opportunity to, to come. 
It's not wait for, well, someone shows up at my house or, or a guest show, shows up. You actually are meant to practice it, actively pursue hospitality. Look for moments uh, to serve. Look for moments to practice this hospitality, to actively give uh, and, and to uh, be hospitable uh, to the people around you. The idea is this, that you were meant to go out of our way to be hospitable. And that's a challenge for many of us that are busy, but I'm reminded again of what we said in the beginning, if we're too busy to love, then we're too busy doing the wrong things. That we're called to go out of our way to be hospitable and serving our church body, the spiritual body of Christ, the men and women around you, uh, that we're meant to love each other in that way. And I don't know what it is for you. We're all meant to sacrifice and give up something, give up our comforts. What would it look like for you to, to go that extra mile, to, to give your attention? Um, maybe that's your way of being hospitable, welcoming someone to the church body, whether it's your life group, whether it's at church, whether it's online, you're saying hello, uh, you're noticing the people around you. Maybe that's your way of being hospitable, introducing yourself, pushing beyond that discomfort uh, of meeting someone new and really engaging and being present with someone. Maybe that's your way of being, being hospitable. Or maybe it is with your time again or with your resources. Uh, and, and I was just thinking about this. What would it look like as a church body to, to seek each other out? And I know it's hard during COVID at <laughs> this time for you to uh, send a text. I was having a conversation uh, last week with someone in our church. Like, hey, what would it look like to start a phone ministry? Um, I love it. Uh, these kind of conversations, like, you know, I think having conversations over the phone is a bit of a lost art. Uh, these days, it's through text messages and, and through, uh, and, and through well, may, maybe that's our way of being hospitable, like giving a call to someone or grabbing a coffee uh, in a safe way where there's patios and outdoor seats, uh, that that's your way of extending. Or maybe uh, extending a hand, be like, hey, I would love to have a Zoom call with you just to connect and, and to chat with you. What about this? Our leadership is working on this crazy idea. What would it look like if you're watching from home and there's those one or two families that you're comfortable with, one or two people that you're comfortable with, that are within your bubble, and you say, this Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to sit together in our living room. In a safe way, that's going to be your way of actively pursuing and creating moments of connection. Uh, and for you to, to feed one, one another and to be with each other, that's your way of pushing beyond our comforts. In a safe way, again, I highlight that in times of COVID, but our way of living out our faith, of, of, of fueling the body, of being the blood that circle, is being circulated in the body. We're going to be that love that's being circulated in that body. And we're going to provide and bless others around us. Because that's exactly what Paul says next in Romans 12, 14 to 16, that genuine love calls us to be a blessing. And I find that the challenge during COVID when we can't see many people, but we ought to be creative, that genuine love calls us to be a blessing around us. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Love your enemies and pray for those uh, who persecute you. Jesus himself says that in, in Matthew 5. Uh, perhaps Paul takes a pause there, remembers the words of Christ uh, through his disciples and through his apostles. Uh, bless those who persecute you. Uh, I'm hoping within the church that within the church we won't persecute uh, each other. But it's the idea that we're meant to be a blessing uh, to one another. We're meant to be a blessing to other people. And this is important because we're not the blessing ourselves. In biblical uh, understanding, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, when we say the Lord bless you, it's not, uh, it's not me blessing you. It's actually God himself blessing you, right? Like, 
and God using us to be a blessing to people around us. That we're in, we don't originate the blessing, that God is using our church body to be a blessing to anyone and, and everyone that we have this relationship with. You're called to uh, sympathize, empathize uh, with people around you. And I find that fascinating, that rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And this is actually self-denial. That's not just about what I want to rejoice or when I'm mourning. It's actually about the other person. It's, it's about self-denial and being with the other person. I was in, in a chat this week. Uh, uh, someone in their church was going some, uh, through uh, something very devastating. They, they, they went through the horrendous experience of losing a child, and they're talking about how to comfort one another. And I'm just thinking about this verse right here, mourn with those that mourn. Sometimes the best thing we could do is not to say a word, but just to sit, just to be with people. And, and that's our calling as a church, just to be, and it's about thinking from the other person's perspective, not about what we have to say or what we have to do, but it's about us fueling and feeding into the other person. And part of us being a blessing to our church and to the people around you is understanding that need and how we could be part of that solution, how God calls us to help those around us. So how can you be a blessing to those around us? How can you provide comfort? What is your part in living in harmony of not being proud and, and, and having this a humility in relationship with people around you? Sixthly, Romans 12, 17 and 21 uh, says this, your, your, it's your acts of love uh, that have the potential to move the, uh, move the people around you. That genuine love is contrary to the world. So Paul, in this first section, talks specifically about what it means to circulate uh, our love and reoxygenate those within the church, that we do these things, that we will be a healthy community, that we'll be loving each other, we'll be feeling each other, and feeding into each other. But he makes a shift here in, in 17 to 21, the last section of this text, that this genuine love, as, you're oxy, uh, as you receive oxygen, as you re- receive nutrients, that you're meant to be sent out into the world as well. That your genuine love is contrary to the things of the world. And Romans 12, 17 to 21, uh, I'll read it uh, for us. Uh, do not repay anyone, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it, is, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not... Be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be careful to do what is right. That's what I want to highlight here in the last section of the text. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of the world. Be careful it's planned and intentional. That our actions and our words and our thinking, our thoughts, it's, it's intentional. It's, we're being careful with how we're living out uh, in the world. It's not just wanting to do good. It's not just um, thinking about doing good. It's actually living it out. It's actually as it be embodying the message of the gospel, the power of the gospel, and going out and, and being that difference uh, to people. Because in our actions, we have the ability to point people towards Jesus. And perhaps in our actions, we have the ability and the opportunity to have conversations about Jesus, that we can win people for the gospel in the ways that we live out. And I know there are limitations, eyes of everyone. Like, well, what do you mean by eyes of everyone? There are limitations to this, of course. We shouldn't be living to uh, doing things that are contrary to our faith. 
but our faith and the way we live it out should be contrary to the world as well. And people will notice that there's a difference here. What is it? There's, different, uh, there's something different about this person. There's different about uh, uh, um, the way that he or she is living, the way that he's thinking, the way that he or she is working, uh, their everyday life. Someone messaged me uh, a few weeks ago again. It's like, hey, that's so, do you know so-and-so? I think uh, they go to your church or they used to go to your church. Um, are, are you your friend with them? I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know. It's like, uh, what, why do you ask? It's like, oh, I, I met them uh, at the workplace, and I had a sense that they were Christian. I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, like, it was a really encouraging conversation uh, for me. But I think about that is like, that, that, does that come out in our lives? You know, in the way that we live, that's, hey, there's something different about this person. And I want to encourage you that you don't just bring oxygen and nutrients to the spiritual body, but you bring those oxygen and nutrients to those outside as well. Those that are waiting for life, those that are still searching for purpose, those that are perhaps spiritually dead in the ways of being, how is it explained in Romans, that hasn't yet received this life in Christ, that you have an opportunity that God is perhaps using you to give life to people around as well. So that is the sixth thing here, that genuine love is contrary to the world, that your acts of love have the potential to change a city here, have a potential to change uh, your neighborhood, your apartment building, your, 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 your housemates, whoever it is, that you have an ability to make a difference. And if there's a natural way to, to love, uh, to, to live out this love in a church, it ought to be natural as well outside of the church in the way that we go about in our everyday lives. I want to end uh, the message this morning by talking uh, a little bit more science. And this caught my attention in the news uh, this week. You might have heard about uh, this asteroid called the Bennu asteroid uh, that was big news in NASA uh, this week. On October 20, uh, 2020, the OSIRIS-REx, which is a satellite, uh, which has been circulating this asteroid for two years, was mapping it out for two years. Uh, and we should be proud as Canadians because Canada invented that uh, instrument that mapped it out <laughs> for two years. So without that map, they wouldn't know what uh, this asteroid looks like. That's 321 million kilometers away uh, and 510 meters tall. And it hasn't, what's fascinating about it is that it hasn't gone through any composition change. That since the beginning of the solar system, this has remained exactly as it is. So scientists believe that it holds the understanding of the beginning of life, uh, of el the elements that created the universe, uh, the universe, the solar system 4.5 billion years ago. It was originally launched in 2016 and finally made it two years ago. And I said it's been orbiting for, 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 for two years. All of that for this on October 2020, for it to touch the surface of the asteroid for six seconds to suck up some samples. And now it's on its way home. That's all it was. All that work, all that technology was it for it to go and collect samples for six seconds and to come. And this is a real-life picture of an asteroid 321 million uh, kilometers away. That's what the surface of this asteroid looks like. But what's also fascinating is that it's classified as a near-Earth asteroid. Uh, on September 23rd, uh, 2060, I'm not sure how old you are, uh, going to be then, uh, but ben, Bennu will pass by at 750 million, uh, sorry, 750,000 kilometers away. Uh, it, doesn't, it sounds very far, but the moon is uh, 384,000 kilometers away, so it's just twice the distance of the moon, which is pretty close to Earth. But for those of you that are going to still be alive in 2175, uh, which, I mean, anyway, 
or if this message makes it to 2175, there's a 1 in uh, 2,700 uh, chance, 2,700 chance that it's going to hit the Earth. Uh, so they want to know in, in advance what they're going to do with this asteroid if there is a case. So during that time, is, there's a chance that it's going to fly between the moon and Earth. That's pretty close. So all this work is to get to know what this asteroid is made out of and also what the beginnings of the solar system looks like. What's my point? We don't need to search for love anymore. We don't need to search for an understanding of the God of the universe. We don't need to go through all this work and all this way, all this effort to see what love looks like because God has already displayed it for us. It has already been explained and preserved for us in the ways of Scripture. That the church, we don't need to guess what it looks like to love our neighbor, to love each other in the church. God has provided that map for us already. He has already displayed that for us to see. The gospel changes everything. The ways of Jesus hasn't changed since all of eternity, that he is who he is. God says, I am, and he's the one that we have been searching for. And he has given us an example of what it is. And many of us, perhaps you're watching online or those of us here are still searching for meaning and purpose, but God has already lived that out on the cross for us. We don't need to go and, and search and dig up or go somewhere 321 million kilometers away, but God is near. Jesus has come. He has come to change our lives. He has come and to use our church to change the city, to impact our community. We don't need to guess. He has given us that roadmap. And what he has called us to do is to be faithful and to follow. And are you tuning into that? Are you following in and understanding the genuineness of God's love? Are you living that out uh, this morning? The age-old saying of how do you eat an elephant, there's a question of how do you eat an elephant, and the answer is one bite at a time. How do you love a city full of people? One person at a time. And it starts with you understanding and living out the genuine, genuine love of Jesus Christ in your life. Let's pray.